And a very good evening to you and welcome to People of Note on Classic 1027 with me, Richard Cock. In this program, we talk to someone who is a person of note and listen to music of their choice. And my guest tonight is Carolyn Raffaelli, who's a senior journalist in the Witz Justice Project. Welcome. Thank you, Richard. Thank you for inviting me onto your program and for your interest in our work. It's a great pleasure. And perhaps uh, it seems odd, perhaps, to have a journalist in the Department of Journalism in the Witz Justice Depart Department. So just tell us about that connection first. Um, the Witz Justice Project is a donor-funded organization based in the Journalism Department at Witz. Um, we investigate human rights abuses and miscarriages of justice related to the criminal justice system, and we publish our findings. And why is it connected to Witz University? I mean, why is it not a standalone uh, project? Uh, it's a project of the journalism department because it can also be used as a tool to teach investigative journalism. And you do that as well. Is that a sideline? Mm, yes, we do. It's not. Yeah. It's not the main purpose, but we do. We do that. So, what is the main purpose? To investigate um, human rights abuses um, and miscarriages of justice, as I said, related to the criminal justice system. Um, including torture and wrongful convictions, which are my current uh, obsession. And then we publish our findings. It's um, also an attempt to raise awareness of public awareness of problems related to the criminal justice system. And just from our chat off air, it sounds as though there's a lot to be revealed about this. Unfortunately, yes, we're a very small team and we are pretty much overwhelmed by requests for help from within the the justice system from people who've been wrongfully arrested or convicted that as well as as people who are experiencing you know other problems as well with remand detention with torture for instance um, that we contacted by inmates themselves by their families their friends and I have been contacted by um, a warden as well. Actually, it seems amazing to me that after nearly 25 years now of a democratic system here in South Africa that we're still hearing about torture and unlawful arrest in prisons. But we're going to talk about this during this program. Let's hear your first choice of music, which is sung by Joan Baez, I Shall Be Released. I Shall Be Released, a Bob Dylan song sung there by Joan Byers and presumably very apposite for what we're talking about. Yes, it's a, a song which I think operates on, on two levels because it is about a person behind bars and in prison, but it's also about, I think, psychological torture, psychological imprisonment and a desire to be released from suffering. How difficult is it once someone has been convicted to overturn a conviction? Extremely, extremely difficult. In fact, um, our project was inspired by the Medill Justice Project, which is a journalism justice project at Northwestern University in Chicago. And um, there are about five other journalism justice projects in the world, and there are about 69 
innocence projects, which are legal projects. And the head of the um, the director and founder of the Ohio Innocence Project, one of the most successful ones, told me that um, it takes on average about seven to nine years for for their team of lawyers to obtain a successful exoneration. And presumably there are many, many cases of, of uh, wrongful conviction. <coughs> and that must make it, re- I mean, if it takes seven to nine years, that's a lot of resources also tied up in looking after one case. It is. And it's, we, it's unfortunate that we have to turn away many, many ca- people who, who contact the Fitzjustice Project because we don't have the resources to tackle their cases. And it keeps me awake many nights worrying about people I've let down. Or and is your project unique in South Africa? Absolutely unique. So you're the only people doing this, basically? Yes. Unless some lawyer happens to want to take up a particular case himself. Yes, that's true. Or maybe not a lawyer, maybe the family. Or is it, does it have to be a lawyer? I don't think that, they, that a family would have much success, yeah. you know, taking a case to the Supreme Court. You do need legal intervention and to appeal your case. That seems amazing, you know, that because uh, by the sound of it, there are actually lots of wrongful convictions. Well, there are no statistics in South Africa. So the Department of Justice and um, nor the the Department of Justice nor the NPA maintain statistics about wrongful convictions. So we only have anecdotal um, evidence of the size of the problem. And you obviously can't solve a problem until you understand its scale. But judging from the letters we receive from family, friends, inmates themselves, we think it's we're dealing with just the tip of the iceberg. Amazing. Here comes Paul Simon with Graceland. Um, Graceland has special meaning for me because um, I assisted uh, one of the exonerees. I've assisted in having his um, conviction and sentence overturned by the Concord. I managed to raise funds to from the Canon Collins Trust in London to take him to what's called the Innocent Annual Innocence Conference. Um, it was held in Memphis this year, and Graceland is where Memphis is. So Tembekile met about Tembekile Moloatsi met about 197 other exonerees uh, who had been wrongfully convicted and spent time behind bars for crimes they hadn't committed. Um, and I think it was really a journey of redemption for him. And apart from the fact that we actually went to Graceland. Um, Elvis Presley's mansion. Um, the song is also, I think, it's about a journey of redemption. So that song has very particular meaning for me. Well, now what we've just you've just told us there uh, brings up a whole raft of things to talk about because these exonerees, these are people who've been released from wrongful conviction, are from all societies around the world. I mean, they could be from. Britain, Europe, America, yes. anywhere. There are oh. um, innocence projects, they're called, around the world. The first innocence project was 
um, started in 1989 by Barry Shake in New York. And since then, there are 69 projects. And those projects have exonerated today, I think, 2,250 people. But again, that's probably just the tip of the iceberg. I think so. Because it happens in all criminal justice systems. It does, because basically judges are human, so they're fallible. That's a generous um, interpretation. But, you know, there are mistakes and um, there are reasons for wrongful convictions. The main contributing factors are mistaken eyewitness identification, false confessions, false accusations or perjury, false or misleading forensic evidence and um, official misconduct, which is poor lawyering, prosecutorial misconduct and inadequate legal defense. It's amazing, though, that the, the justice system seems to be quite rigorous, and yet these mistakes obviously happen fairly regularly. They do. Yeah, and this is a very sad thing. And, uh, and as I said, or as we both said, really, uh, that these the people who were at this conference, for example, come from all over the world. So it's any justice system. It's not just ours. And they come from every walk of life as well. So basically, in America, they are mainly indigent and black. Um, but uh, it could be me. It could be you. You can be in the wrong place at the wrong time, have poor legal representation, and find yourself in an unimaginable situation. Actually, I must say that sort of rings a bell with me because I once did some work at Kutamu Sintumule Prison, maximum security prison in uh, near in the Popo, near Louis Trichardt. And I remember talking to one of the warders there who said that this is these are people who are in there for life, that many of them were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And that seems a terrible thing, that someone goes to prison for life for being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm. Actually, in t- the case of Tembekile Moloatsi, um, his, w- his prison warder called me, and it was the first time a warder had called me, so I listened up. But he said that at that time, in the 18 years that he had worked as a warder, every inmate said, I didn't do it. But um, Tembekile was the first person um, whose pleas of innocence he had believed. Well, that's extraordinary in itself. So, yes, yeah. it was. So he actually agreed to organize a prison visit for me to meet him. And um, he, he, he told me, that Tembekila had actually been trying for eight years to appeal his case and he hadn't been able to obtain his trial transcripts, which is a constitutional right. So initially I went to the prison to visit it. Uh, I agreed to go and visit Tembekila, um, not because his warder said he was innocent, but because I, uh, I wanted to help him obtain his trial transcripts so that he could appeal his case. But um, on my first meeting of him, with him, I intuitively did think he wasn't guilty, I must admit. And, um, well, we progressed from there. Successfully. 
yes. which is but nice. I had many doubts during yeah. the three years that I tried to help him. Gosh. I doubted his innocence and my own judgment, I must say. Yeah. No, well, it's a, it's a scary thing because there, what was he in prison for? Murder. Yeah. So then it's pretty scary that you might be working on behalf of someone who was a murderer. Yes, 100%. Yeah, As sure. I say, I doubted myself yeah. very often. Carolyn Raffaelli is my guest in People of Note, and she works as a journalist, a senior journalist for the Witz Justice Project. And your next choice is by Leonard Cohen, Dance Me to the End of Love. Just tell us about this. Well, when I first heard the song, I thought it was the most extraordinarily romantic, sensuous love song. But um, And I've always loved the song, and more recently... I learned that it was, in fact, about the string quartet that played um, alongside the crematoria at Auschwitz. And there were violinists who played while their fellow inmates were being marched to their death or burnt to death. Dance Me to the End of Love by Leonard Cohen. And that was from, you could hear from the performance there, from a live show which was held in London. The choice of Carolyn Raffaelli, who's my guest in People of Note. Carolyn, how did you get into this work that you're doing? By a very circuitous route, because actually uh, my undergraduate degree is in psychology and drama, and I have a master's in city and regional planning, so... Yeah, long story, very circuitous route. I guess journalists are always curious and nosy parkers, and I guess that's via this long yeah. route how but I landed. But this is a very particular area. Um, so you must have got hooked on it somehow. I've, I think I've always been interested in investigative journalism, and after I graduated with my town planning degree, I was working for an organization called Urban Problems Research Unit. And I was doing some research into employer-provided housing for migrant workers in Lange in Cape Town. And I was absolutely appalled by the conditions that pe these men were living in, in basically in huge sheds and Often their families were living there legally as well, and it was just appalling, and I wanted to expose the employers, and I contacted the financial mail, <coughs> and I asked them if they would run the story, and they said to me, why don't you do it? And I said, I'm not a journalist. Anyway, that basically, I had, my whole family are journalists, and I had tried uh, conscientiously to avoid becoming a journalist and then I exposed these employers I wrote the story and um, think a number of them were forced to upgrade the accommodation and anyway I was offered a job and by the financial mail and I guess that was that and and how long have you been doing this particular project now um, about eight or nine years but I haven't always worked in investigative journalism. I've taken forays off to the side as well. 
We're going to hear your next choice, which is Van Morrison's Brown-Eyed Girl. And then I want you to tell us about this conference that you've been to of exonerees, which was in Memphis. This is Brown-Eyed Girl by Van Morrison. Brown-Eyed Girl by Van Morrison, the choice of Carolyn Raffaele, who's my guest in People of Note. You mentioned this conference that you went to where there were, I don't know how many exonerees, but quite a lot by the sound of it. And 197. 197. Yeah. And that's, those are only the ones that attended the yeah, conference. Yeah, yeah. And what did you discover there? That this is quite a common thing, for one, if there are 197 of them then. And are they mostly men or are they women as well? Um, there were women there, some of whom had spent time on death row even. Um, the majority were men. Um, I think for Tembekile, he found that there were people who had experienced a worse fate than him. He met a man who had spent 42 years behind bars for a crime he didn't commit. Um, there was one man, uh, Ricky Jackson, Ricky Jackson, who had spent 39 years behind bars. He's one of <coughs> the longest serving exonerees in America, and he was convicted on the evidence of a 12-year-old child. Um, he spent two years on death row, and when this man, the child, became a man, when he was 51, he asked his priest to help him deal with this, and he recanted what he had said, and then uh, Ricky Jackson's evidence was uh, his, his Ricky Jackson's conviction was overturned. So, you know, there was there were so many people there with the most extraordinary stories, and I think we both were, or me in particular, I was so humbled by the kind of resilience of these people and the forgiveness and the patience and the patience and the determination and the courage. And that I think nobody will come out of that situation without being traumatized. But people are determined to remake their lives. And they, they're just, I met some of the most extraordinary people I've ever met. And I must say, I never expected to learn my own greatest life lessons from people behind bars. But Temba Kile and his four co-accused who've also been had their convictions and sentences overturned by the Concord have taught me so much. I'm so grateful. It's been such a privilege to deal with people like these. And perhaps appropriately now, Amy Winehouse, Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow? Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow? By uh, Sung by Amy Winehouse, the choice of Carolyn Raffaele, my guest in People of Note. She's uh, a senior journalist with the Witz Justice Project. When you were on this conference, did you meet people who are doing the work that you are doing too, to, so that you could network with them and sort of strengthen yourself apart from just strengthening the exonerees? Um, there, there is no other project exactly like ours that I'm aware of, and I didn't meet any other journalists at this conference. I think I may have been the only one, um, but there were many lawyers 
and um, I had a lot to learn from, you know, lawyers working in this field. Well, and you, as as a non-lawyer, a journalist, uh, I guess you learn that you just have to keep going on and on. You need a lot of patience in this work, and also it can be very, very heartbreaking and traumatic hearing some of these stories, and also when you believe somebody has been wrongfully convicted and the justice system doesn't regard it in that way, you know, you have many disappointments along the way, and you often... I personally don't know how to comfort people. I'm not a social worker. I'm not a lawyer. I often don't know what to say, and it's often heartbreaking for me. And so it was very important to meet people um, who, who've who worked in this field and stuck with their cases for so, so long because, you know, it, it's such isolated work. Also, I'm one of the people that I admire the most, Barry Sheck, the person who started the first Innocence Project is, unbeknown to him, he's a mentor to me, but um, the, the, the Innocence Project that he started, the first, was, was um, powered by, by the belief that if DNA can prove a person guilty, it can also prove them innocent. And um, to date, DNA has successfully exonerated about 360 people, um, including about 20 death row survivors on the basis of DNA evidence. Um, And it's pretty scary because the death penalty is still legal in, I think, about 31 um, American states. And then also, this is a salutary lesson to South Africans who are still calling for the reinstatement of the death penalty. Gosh, 31 states out of 50 is quite a high proportion. It really is. And actually, the Innocence Conference was held in Memphis, Tennessee, and the death penalty is still legal in that state. And still used. Yeah. Yeah. That's extraordinary. Come Away With Me by Nora Jones is your next choice. Nora Jones, Come Away With Me, the choice of Carolyn Raffaele, who's my guest in People of Note. She's from the Witz Justice Project. Just tell us about the Justice Project. Was it started because of you, or did you start it, or how did it get going? Have you joined it more recently? Um, Anton Haber, Professor Anton Haber, um, went to the went to Northwestern. I'm not sure why he went. It was about nine years ago. I think he had colleagues or friends there. And they had start. They had a project in their journalism department called the Medill Justice Project, um, and he was very inspired by that. And he came home and came back to South Africa, and decided he also wanted to start this project in the Department of Journalism. And um, I joined it about a year later. And you say you? It's just you and some interns? Uh, it's myself, my colleague Ruth Hopkins, she's a other senior journalist, two inter- interns and we have a project coordinator. But no lawyer? No lawyer and so the conundrum is and the biggest problem for us is actually finding lawyers to assist us on a pro bono basis because the truth is 
criminal lawyers don't generally, in my opinion, find human rights work sexy and um, human rights lawyers don't generally find criminal work sexy. And so we have often have a very difficult time um, persuading lawyers to help us or finding people. I've been very, very lucky. Um, before I became obsessed with wrongful convictions, I was doing a lot of work on torture. And the first torture case that I covered, which was a huge case at St. Albans Prison in Port Elizabeth, involving 231 inmates who were attempting to sue uh, the Minister of Justice and Correctional Services in a, a, a damages claim um, for torture behind bars. Um, it was This case was taken on by a Port Elizabeth lawyer called Egon Oswald, who ran a one-man show. He's actually, he defended these men for, I think, 12 years pro bono without any pay. But in addition to that, I guess um, we got on very well. We had an immediate relationship of trust, and he has helped me inordinately. Um, he's taught me most of what I know about law, besides what inmates have taught me. And he's kind of he he helps us and consults to the justice project um and i don't think i would have been able to write many of the stories that i have without his very generous pro bono help and i guess when you meet someone for the first time this is me is what you face kiala settle <coughs> kiala settle this is me actually the reason that this um, song speaks to me is that it's a battle cry for the rejected, the bullied and the marginalized and I think it's a song about courage and bravery and not having, not wanting to hide from the world. There's a great quote from Nelson Mandela who once famously said that um, no one truly knows a nation until one's been inside its jails he said a nation should not be judged by how it treats its highest citizens, but its lowest ones. And um, this song is about the bearded lady in, um, well, it was sung by ostensibly the, the bearded lady in um, P.T. Barnum's Circus, and who was like a truly marginalized person. So it talks to me because of that. But it sounds as though we're talking about uh, your next choice, which is talking about a revolution. We really need to to real look at our whole justice system with this what you know what we've been talking about here, so that we try to avoid these problems if we can. But I guess they're going to have mistakes happen. Mistakes do happen. Mistakes do happen. <clears throat> and actually, Tembekile Moloatsi, who has the most extraordinary attitude towards forgiveness says repeatedly to err is human talking about a revolution tracy chapman singing there the choice of carolyn raffaele who's my guest in people of note she is a senior journalist with the Witz justice project you're listening to people of note on classic 1027 it's just about 7 o'clock. We'll take a short break and we'll be back after this.
That was the Presto from the famous Moonlight Sonata by Beethoven, played there by the Russian pianist Mikhail Pletnov, and it's the choice of Carolyn Raffaeli, who is my guest in People of Note. Carolyn, you've obviously written about this because you're a journalist. You've written about this particular case that you've dealt with. And I, I must say, it would be quite interesting to get uh, Mr. Mulawudzi onto this program. Would, would he come, do you think? I think he'd be delighted. Um, in addition to being a very good speaker, I think it's also therapeutic for him to tell his story. And he also wants people to know about wrongful convictions and that they do happen. And he also wants to help people to deal with this who've been in similar positions. And just a matter of interest, are there are there uh, radio stations or uh, news outlets who are interested in this case? Or is it is it sort of below the radar in a way? No, not at all. No. Um, Temba Kila and I have both spoken about it a lot on radio, on television. Yeah. But but there's there's a, a bigger story to be told also. And are you I mean are you planning on writing about it further? Um, yes, there certainly is a bigger story because he um, was accused along with uh, seven other people, uh, five of whom who had their sentences overturned. Um, two of them. The sentences and convictions of two of them were overturned last year in March by the Concord. After him or before him? No, after, after him. him. Yeah. Um, and so it's five people who've been wrongfully convicted in one case um, with one judge and no compensation. And they all have extraordinary stories to tell. So, yes, I do intend writing a book about it. Tambaquila is the person out of those five who I've assisted that I'm closest to and whose story I know the most intimately. So the story, the book will be pegged around his story, but the other people are all integral to that as well. Gosh, and this is just basically one case that you've been working on. And I mean, you say at the Justice Project that you're overwhelmed with people asking you to help. Do, Do they now know about you? And people actually approach and say, Please help me. Yes. Inmates uh, inmates phone us, write to us, Facebook us, um, their families contact us, their friends. We receive phone calls and letters all the time, every day of the week. It's an amazing story. Pathetique is the title of the next piano sonata by Beethoven that you've chosen. This is the first movement, Konstantin Sherbakov is the performer. That was the first movement of the piano sonata number eight by Beethoven, played by Konstantin Sherbakov. And I'm interested that you've chosen quite a lot of piano music. Did you have uh, some connection with piano in your family? Or did Um, you play the piano? Actually, um, I love music. I love to sing very loudly. I am apparently tone deaf. And um, I'm not really allowed to sing in front of my family. But I think I sing perfectly. But anyway, um, when I was a, a child, my elder siblings all played the piano and were very musical. And um, there were, I grew up in Cape Town in Newlands, which is a very cold, rainy um, area. And there was one 
warm spot in the house, which was the fire in the lounge. And I used to do my homework revolving because my backside got hot from the fire, revolving in circles around the around the fire. And there was always one of my three siblings playing uh, playing the piano. And um, these evoke, you know, wonderful childhood memories for me. I was the la- a lot lamaki by a very long way. And um, and also the only one that wasn't very musical. <laughs> but obviously you enjoy listening to music now because you've chosen some interesting uh, performances here. And also uh, the music that you chose early in the program seems to have a, a direct bearing on what you're doing now. Are any of the rest of your family involved in sort of uh, human rights work or not at all? I mean, um, you say you say you come from a family of journalists. Um. For a Jewish family, we don't have a doctor in our very large extended family. Or a dentist. Or a dentist or an accountant. But we have way too many journalists and creative people and lawyers. Here in South Africa. Yes. Yeah. So but, bec- but because we have so many journalists, I really did try to make a concerted effort not to become a journalist but I guess it's kind in of your blood. floating in my it's DNA in somewhere blood. but also um, the, the, the reason that the, some of these piano pieces that I've chosen are very meaningful for me is because um, my second brother um, passed away very tragically on the beach at Kerbom Strand. He had a heart attack and um, he used to play. He was a very determined person and he used to play these song, these pieces, the Beethoven's particularly, um, repeatedly over and over and over again until he perfected them. And so they really remind me of him. Well, and here comes a piece that you do need to play uh, over and over again to get it right. The partita number two. This is the rondo. It's by Johann Sebastian Bach, played by Rosalind Turek. Yes, that one in particular. Music by Bach, which certainly needs lots of practice. That was the rondo from the partita number two in C minor, played by Rosalind Turek. Now, if you're not a musician, and you are a journalist, and other things as well, when you're not uh, worrying about people wrongfully convicted and looking after the project at Vitz, what what do you do when if in your own downtime? I mean, you've got a family, but maybe you have other things that you do too. I'm a bit of a dilettante. I have eclectic music taste, as you can see, and I'm interested in arts and culture and trends, and um, I. I'm sometimes very lazy, but um, I like going to exhibitions. I like spending time with my family. We travel a lot. We love to travel. We like the outdoors. We like hiking. Um, And I can always busy myself. um, I like listening to music, particularly in winter. Um, On a Friday night, we have family dinners always. And I think my best thing of the week is to lie on the puffy cushions in our lounge in front of a huge fire and um, post-mortem 
who said what to who in our family Shabbat dinners with my husband. And I think that's my favorite time of the week. Well, and he has a good piece of music to do that too. That's the slow movement from the clarinet concerto by Mozart. This is Sabine Meyer playing with the Dresden State Orchestra under Hans Fonck. That was the beautiful slow movement from the clarinet concerto in A major by Mozart. Sabine Meyer was the soloist with the Dresden State Orchestra under Hans Fonck. The choice of Carolyn Raffaele, who's my guest in People of Note. She's a senior journalist at the Witz Justice Project. We've heard that you've got a book in the pipeline. Has it started yet? I'm afraid not. But you've, you've obviously got a lot of information already for it, though. I, I've got. I've written a number of stories about this case, and um, actually going to Memphis is obviously going to be a chapter in the book. But um, my intention was this year to spend two weeks of every month writing it, but I haven't managed to do that. So well, I it haven't. Sounds as though you have your hands I, full though, at the Justice Project. I do, and um, well, I do have much of the research done, but I think the most difficult start uh, the difficult part of writing a book is starting your first paragraph but you're thinking about that i'm doing a lot of thinking well and uh, i mean it's great that that you do have your hands full but it's also a very sad reflection of our times and the country we live in that we do have these issues but i'm sure um i, I would love to hear a bit more about all the people who are at the the exonerees conference because I'm sure they, they come from societies where we wouldn't expect these problems but I'm sure they come from societies where that we don't expect well you wouldn't expect it no. to be happening in America but it does a but lot that's where the the innocence Pro innocence project and now the innocence network and the innocence movement is basically based and I guess we don't hear some, from some countries where there are probably many more people who are wrongly convicted because we can't hear from them. That's true. There's actually a European Innocence Conference um, happening at the end of this year as well. So there'll be projects that are based in European countries. More Mozart now. This is from the Flute Concerto, Demer McGill, performing with Stellenbosch International Chamber Music Festival. That was the first movement from the Flute Concerto Number no. 1 by Mozart. Demer McGill was the performer there with the Stellenbosch International Chamber Music Festival Orchestra under Daniel Raiskin. And I see that Daniel Raiskin will be here soon conducting the JPO in their uh, spring season. So something to look forward to there. But you say you hear quite a few versions of that Flute Concerto. Uh, my husband likes to repeat things. When he finds a restaurant he likes, we go there over and over and over until it's killed. And he has five versions of this piece, which he likes to play over and over and over. It's not killed for me yet. I still think it's very, very beautiful. Well, and you've learned patience <laughs> and all of these things since you've been doing your, your Witz Justice Project by the sound of it. So you must just be patient a little longer. <laughs> and and I see Abdullah coming up. Abdullah Ibrahim is your final choice on this program tonight. Um, there's some, I mean, this is another exile is almost like being wrongly convicted in a way. 
because you don't want to go back to a place because if you do go back, you could well find yourself inside unless you go into exile. So it's a another sadness, really, that many people left South Africa because if they'd stayed here, they could have ended up in jail. That's true, and I must say about this track, Manenberg, wherever I have been in the world, it's always a piece of music that brings me home. It It is a, a sad piece of music, and... Um, I was like sad, melancholic, depressing <laughs> music. Actually, makes me some somehow comforts cheers me, yeah. cheers me up. But this is a track that it just brings me home. That was Abdullah Ibrahim's Manenberg, and Carolyn Rafaeli, my guest, talked about that bringing her home. And the Witz Justice Project is actually all about bringing people home from where they shouldn't be. She's a senior journalist there, and it sounds as though you have work enough to last you, certainly your lifetime and probably <laughs> several others as well. And I thank you very much indeed for taking time out to come and talk to us here on People of Note. And I look forward to having Tembekile Mulaudzi as a guest here, and we will follow that up. So listeners, uh, just please keep listening, and you will hear about... Mr. Mulaudzi, who was the victim of a wrongful conviction. So it's time for us to leave you now. We've had a couple of hours here with Carolyn, and thank you, Carolyn, for being here. Thank you so much for your interest in my work and the work of the Witz Justice Project. It's a great Richard. pleasure. And thank you to our listeners at home for listening and to Pitt for helping us put it all together. And until next time, from all of us here at Classic 1027, we wish you a very good night.